You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this fine Wednesday? Um, it is that is one more day of OTAs with the Steelers. I'll be down there tomorrow, which happens to be my birthday. How about that? Pretty exciting stuff. Um, I've been telling you lately about the the Himalaya app. It's free. It's super easy to use. Has every single podcast you love and are searching for. Obviously, you guys are podcast fans. So find and download the Himalaya app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Locked On NFL once you're there. And when you're getting your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NFL. And while you're at it, you might as well follow Locked On Patriots and play on your, your your device in your car as well. Because we have the host of Locked On Patriots on, as we do every Wednesday, Mark Schofield. What is up, brother? What's going on, buddy? A uh, early happy birthday to you, my friend. Why, thank uh, you. Another year around, the, another trip around the sun. Nothing wrong about that. Yeah, right. I didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but we'll celebrate it anyways. My mom probably deserves more credit than I do, but uh, such is life. I'm going to have a little shindig here on Saturday. Can't complain about that either. Any reason to get together with my cronies is uh, you know, fine by me. Um, what we're doing now, and I think this is going to be a two-part show because there's eight instances here of teams that have a new head coach. And I want to talk to you a little bit schematically, a little bit fantasy-oriented of how we think these coaching hires from the top down, and we didn't pick some teams that have coordinator hires, um, are going to affect the offense, the production, where the ball's going to go, all those type of things. Is that cool by you? Works for me, buddy. All right, man. Um, let's start in the Patriots division. And for you, those who are listening for the first time, Mark is the host of Locked on Patriots, but is much more of a national guy who just happens to be the host of that podcast as well. That's why we have him on every week. And I want to start with the Jets. Adam Gase goes from Miami, who we'll talk about next, to New York. And I think he's gotten, as, as a head coach overall, my take on him is I feel like he's somewhat underrated and that a lot of people said, boy, he put up great offenses and really was the darling of the NFL when he had Peyton Manning. But what's he done since? But I think the opposite's true, too, that the, the, the talent he had in Miami is subpar to be generous. They were a second-place team in that division last year and not an abysmal team despite being the leader in the clubhouse now to pick first overall and, quote, tank it, I think he can get a lot of production out of the Jets. might take a little time. But let's focus on the offense, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think it's important to sort of remember here that, like you said, this this Dolphins team that Gase coached last year had some interesting wins. We all know, look, they beat the Patriots in somewhat dramatic fashion. And they were dealing with some injuries and things like that at some skill positions. You know, Tannehill, early in the season, this was a team that started 3-0. and You know, when the Patriots and the Dolphins squared off in week four, New England was 1-3, Miami was 3-0. There was a chance that if Miami wins that game, the Patriots are looking at a three-game hole in the AFC East. Things might have been a lot different. But then the season turned out the way it was. And so I think you're right. I think in a sense that Gase, maybe he didn't pour- – perform up to the expectations but i think his tenure down in miami was better than expected and so i think when you look at now what he's going to bring to new york i think there are going to be some 
offensive concepts in this playbook that are going to be very beneficial for Sam Darnold. We know Gase wants to attack the quick area, the short area of the field. We all know how he used Jarvis Landry, basically turned him into a shallow runner. That's all he ran with shallow crossers. Yeah, true. But I think that's going to mesh well with what Darnold does as a quarterback. And I think if you look at the talent assembled around him, I think a guy to watch is Jamison Crowder. I think that is a kind of route design and schematic design that is definitely going to work in Crowder's favor. I think the ability of Donald to make some quick decisions, we all can sort of get on him for that long, loopy delivery. But even with that, he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He's a better anticipation thrower than I think people give him credit for when he was coming out. And he has a pretty quick release even with that loop. And so I think you put all of this together, and I think Donald's going to have a pretty good season. And I think a guy that could benefit is Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I, I'm taking, I mean, I'm buying stock in Darnold. I think this is a good situation for them, for him. Um, I wish they would have done a little more up front, but they did that at Assembly, who is still a force. You, you mentioned Crowder, and is Crowder Jarvis Landry? Not quite, but I think he'll be used the same way as you mentioned, and both are clearly pure slot guys. Um, I do think that Herndon in place is important here. I mean, you remember what Miami did? They went out and got Gasecki in a foundation for Gase as these three-by-one sets with an athletic tight end as the one. I think Herndon fits that role and is a breakout player. And you mix Herndon, Bell, Crowder. They're all very different, of course, and play different positions, but I think they all fit the mold of attacking those short zones, like you mentioned, quick processing quarterback, get it out, making up for a lackluster offensive line. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's interesting that you mentioned Herndon because, you know, we are going to sort of work in the fantasy aspect to this yeah, discussion here. Because where do you look, think the got, ball's going to go? You know? We've got SF, SFB9 coming up, and I know people are excited about that. This is a fun time in the fantasy cycle because a lot of people are drafting. It's interesting. They drafted Trevon Wesco in the fourth round, and I know there are some fantasy people out there that are saying – he might see some targets. He might take some targets away from Herndon, but I just want to... I like the player. Push, I like the player. I want to yeah. push back on that a little bit because if you watched Darnold last year, down the stretch, when he came back from that injury, he played like a fantastic quarterback. He put up some fantastic numbers. And Herndon was a guy that saw a lot of targets. And it really looked like, to me, that they were developing that nice little young quarterback, young tight end type relationship that you would love to sort of build an offense around. Maybe you're not going to have a sort of Herndon ratio where he gets all of the targets. But it looked like this was going to be a nice little foundation. And you said Gase likes to have that sort of athletic move type tight end. I think that could be the guy in Herndon. And so yeah, I, I, I think Herndon might see a lot of targets, especially those three-by-one Y-ISO sets where you're trying to see what the defense is going to do by putting that tight end as the one guy. Yeah, and I like Wesco too. But my hunch is his early jobs are help the tackles. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean he, and he's good at that. And I think he can be a very valuable football player. I don't know that he's going to eat into a lot of targets. I also think Lev Bell, say what you want about him. I wouldn't have signed him either. I've been saying forever in Pittsburgh, I think he's a declining player. He's not someone that I was invested in. I went on record as saying I would have traded him two years ago if I was Steelers, back when his, his, his stock was high. That being said... He's going to be a, a very friendly guy for a young quarterback. 
Oh, I think so. And we've talked about this a little bit. He's going to take some of the pressure off him. Obviously, you could use him as a three-down back. He can do some, some things in the passing game. We know that's how the Steelers love to use them, and any smart head coach is going to involve him in the passing game. And his ability to pick and choose spots behind an offensive line that, as you sort of alluded to, is trying to figure out how they're going to come together, that takes a ton of pressure off of Sam Darnold. And so I think – you know, we're sort of moving in the direction that this is going to be a pretty good year for the Jets offense. Maybe not a playoff type year or maybe not the best offense in the league, but I think this could be a good year. And I think Bell is a big part of that. Yeah. And and the last guy I think is a very good football player. I don't know if the numbers will be, you know, wide receiver two stuff for fantasy, but Robbie Anderson is, yes. can't be forgotten, man. No, he can't. And he came out this week and basically said he wants to put up a top five type season. He's got the talent to do that. And what's interesting about sort of the acquisitions of the, what Gase is going to do, if Gase has learned from his time in Miami when part of the criticism about his offense was it got too predictable, too stale, too much focus on the short area of the field. You can see some route concepts where they're basically working shallow cross with Crowder, doing some stuff underneath with Lev Bell, and then getting Anderson going over the top because that's how he needs to be used as a vertical threat downfield, posts, goes, deep concepts at times, pick your spots. If Gase works in enough of the vertical passing game with Robbie Anderson, that's going to add a much-needed component to an Adam Gase offense, and it'll give Darnold some downfield chances as well. Yeah, and my last note on the Jets is Andy Benoit's one of my favorite analysts in this business, and I think he's kind of following Greg Cosell's footsteps of taking over as the top tape guy out there. And him and Gase have a relationship, and so I really trust Andy when he when he brings up Gase. And you see it on the field, but some of the, the phrase, paraphrase what Andy has said at times is, Gase is really a stickler for, you need to be where you gotta be. You know, like... I, maybe I don't have the highest end talent guy. He maybe he doesn't want need Odell or Antonio Brown, but he wants Amendola, and that was one of his problems with Landry. You know, like I need you to run the play exactly as I draw it up, and you know we'll see if Anderson and Crowder and Herndon are those guys. But I like that he's getting able to put his stamp on the team and start from scratch, kind of. Yeah, and look, you know, we all know the phrase is the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's, but there are some coaches where their system can be universally used. You know, it's sort of a double, you know, phrase there. No, but, but I know what you mean, yeah. The, the guys that can run it, you can pick and choose guys. You don't need the best talent to do it. The system will work, and that might be, you know, a perfect example of that. And as you alluded to, you know, with Andy Benoit and what he's heard from Gase, they want the guys to run the routes do their job kind of situation and, and don't improvise it, it, don't improvise run the route just do your job and if the jets do that with the pieces we've talked about they could be in for a good year spoken like a true patriot guy there do your they job come. and we'll get to miami here in a second speaking of the patriots but first today's show is brought to you in part by hotels.com don't hate like your friend's trip book your own with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere hotels.com be there do that get re Warded. All right, the Dolphins are a little more difficult to analyze, and I don't want a whole lot of Dolphins on my fantasy team. I think their line is probably going to hold them back dramatically. But I think picking up Rosen is a very wise, shrewd move. And you talk about starting from scratch. I, I think this coach has a chance to really build something there. But boy, this is going to be an uphill climb. 
Yeah. I mean, they're a couple of years away. Yeah. And I think we saw sort of all see that. If it goes well. That. If it goes well, you know, the, the big question is obviously starts at the quarterback position. You know, they're in mandatory minicamp right now. Everything coming out of Miami is that Fitzpatrick seems to be ahead of Rosen, but it's June. I don't buy anything in June in terms of positional battles. And so I think we take that with a grain of salt, but I don't think anybody's going to go all in on one of their quarterbacks this this draft cycle. We're hearing yet again, Devontae Parker looks great. Well, we've heard that before. You know, I, I think... You look at what Chad O'Shea is going to want to bring. He's going to want to bring that Patriot style of offense. A lot of timing, a lot of rhythm, a lot of focus on the short passing game to the wide receivers. But if there's a player that might sort of benefit from what they're putting together, it's probably going to come for the running back spot. I think Kalen Balaj, Kenyon Drake, and even Miles Gaskin. I think those running backs are going to see a lot of opportunities in the passing game. We know how the Patriots like to use running backs as receivers. They trust them. They like to go tempo and get running backs mismatches against linebackers or strong safeties. And so if there's a positional group, maybe not a player, but a positional group for Miami that you might want to be interested in this, this year, it's the running back spot. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know you and I have ever talked Belage. But I got to preface this by saying I think Drake is an underrated player. He could be on my NFL team anytime. I think he's productive despite rough circumstances at times. I don't think he's a bell cow, but I mean, if he's like my running back three for fantasy reasons, I mean, I think he could put a pretty decent year together and have some good games. I think so, especially in this system. And. You know, at times we can anticipate that they might want to run the ball a little bit more. And I know running the ball is a little bit out of vogue right now, mm -hmm. you know, given all the work that's being done in the analytics field and expected points at him, things like that. But if but you're a, short a bad team, you're going to shorten the game. That's exactly right. So he, they're going to run the ball a lot. You're probably going to see, you know, Drake probably get a combination of anywhere from like 25 to 35 touches a game between carries and receptions. But they're going to still have a lot to go around for running backs. And so I think, you know, if you're looking, like you said, running back two, running back three, Drake wouldn't be a bad investment. No, and I think you'll get him cheap. I think people in the fantasy world will absolutely stay away from the Dolphins like the plague. And some of those guys, and maybe Bellage factors in this way too, when they're losing in the fourth quarter, they're going to pick up cheap yardage and keep cheap catches and underneath throws. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, there's not a lot of great production to be mined out of this offense, but there's probably a sleeper here and there, and maybe it's Parker, maybe it's Gusecki in a second year that show flashes. I mean, the ball's going to go somewhere. Yeah, I Albert mean, somebody's going to get targets. I like Wilson. Yeah, I've liked him for a while. Maybe it's the former quarterback in me and in him that you know endears him to me. You know, I think he's a shifty enough receiver where he might get targets. You know, Kenny Stills is a nice player. I mean, it's just he is if, what he if, is at if this you're, point. Though, if like... you're looking at targets in the passing game, and maybe it's just a hill that I'm going to stay on, but I think Jacecki might be the guy. Sometimes we've seen tight ends take a year or two to sort of really? figure it out because it's a, it's a whole new sport for them. I mean, at Penn State, he's running flat, he's running seam, and he's not asked to do much as a blocker. You know, now. He's got to do the, be the complete package to the tight end spot, even though he's more of a move type guy. And so it takes tight ends a little bit longer to figure it out. But maybe the hill that I would die on in this passing game would be Mike Jusecki. I wish this group would have drafted him, though. Yeah. And maybe that's true with Bellage, too. 
Yeah, I mean that might be it because you know they might be looking at this guy's like, all right, we'll we'll find a way to make it work, but you know not it's not, not what we not what we would have done exactly, and so yeah. that might give you some hesitation. But I mean, looking around the rest of the roster, I mean, where you planted your flag? <laughs> right, they got to do. I mean, this is what they got. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I think the Browns have been talked to death, and they're probably of the four teams we're talking about today are probably with lumped with the Dolphins as the least exciting to talk about. Because the offensive coordinator gets bumped up to the head coach. And um, do I have my doubts that he can be the CEO and handle all these massive egos? I absolutely do. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're just talking scheme. We're talking about fit. And I also think bringing Mock in, Mal- I always say his name wrong, the offensive coordinator well, from T-Bay, <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. I think is a very nice under-the-radar move, too. He did a lot of good things with the Bucks last year. Yeah, I mean, we all know that this is going to be a fun offense to yeah. watch. Even the videos already coming out for mandatory minicamp. Again, we're not putting much stock in it. It's just June, but they still look fun. They're going to spread it around. They're going to use tempo. They're going to use, you know, four and five receiver sets. We saw this last year with Kitchens when they were going queens and quads, whatever you want to call it, against Baltimore in week 17. And they were having some some success doing that. So they're going to spread it around. You know, the interesting thing becomes, you know, it stark contrast to the conversation we were just having now you've got a ton of talent and they're going to have a lot of targets to go around and a lot of players thirsty for them i mean you're looking at landry you're looking at odell you're looking at you know the emergence of antonio callaway who down the stretch was a nice little target for baker last year you know at the tight end spot i'm still waiting on the david njoku breakout and maybe we'll still be waiting and of course yeah. yeah and then of course the running back spot we know duke johnson is unhappy but he's as Kitchen said, he is still a Cleveland Brown. Nick Chubb, eventually Kamara comes out, you know, Kareem Hunt comes back. And so a lot of targets to go around for this team. So that is something to keep in mind. But perhaps the guy that is going to be making all the throws is one you want to be in on. That's Baker Mayfield. We saw the production he was able to generate last year, another year in the full system. They've obviously bought into what he wants to do, bring them. You know, Kitchens as the head coach, I think Mokin's going to help him as well with some of the numbers that the Bucks put up last year. We were talking about them last week, the numbers that Fitzpatrick, and, uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick and, um, and James Winston right? were putting yeah. up. Yeah, so Baker could be in line for a huge year. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all either. I don't love their O-line situation. I mean, I, I think Kevin Zeitler's more valuable than Olivier Vernon at this stage of the game, but yeah. they did have a guard. I mean, they're going to move Corbett in, and I, I get that, but the tackles concern me. Um, and, a, you know, if you're planting a fantasy flag outside of Baker, which is the easy one, is kind of the shortcut, where are you putting it considering where they'd cost you in the draft? Like, yeah, sure, Odell will catch a lot of passes, but is it going to be a I, normal Odell year? I mean, I, it's not I, an easy one. If you go in it in terms of what it's going to cost you, Odell's right. probably costing you a first or early second, right? Top 20 pick, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on top of it yet, but he's going to be one when, of the first receivers taken. I mean, where do you think Landry's going? I'm trying to look up his ADP right now. But you're probably getting Landry, I'd say, in the fourth, looking at his ADP. Yeah, that sounds about right. Right. You know, I mean, his, his current ADP right now is 5'11". Five, five, so okay. getting him in late I mean, There's a lot of receivers. There's a lot of receivers. I get that. I don't know if there's I enough s- balls to go around to keep both those guys happy. And I don't think that fares well for Najoku's production. Probably not. I think the the thing that you might want, if you're going to go in on Landry, I think the argument, the way you talk yourself into doing it is this way. They have offensive line concerns, like you said. So the focus will probably, we're going to get the ball out of Baker's hands at times. Mm-hmm. Well, who's going to be running those routes? 
probably Landry. Yeah. Similar to the way he was used by Gase in Miami. Everything comes full circle, I guess. Circle of life. But if there's a guy that might get the lion's share of targets, it might be Landry. And if you're getting up at, say, 5'11", or even early 6, depending on how your draft falls, probably better than taking a top 20 pick on Odell that might have a good year. But in terms of the return on the investment, you could probably get another receiver that's going to have just as good a year. And then Landry and probably come out ahead. You're probably right. I mean, considering what the cost is for those guys. And I'm sure right. Landry's stock is very low. Uh, he's kind of somewhat forgotten, out of sight, out of mind. But he's the one Baker's more familiar with, as great as yep. Odell is. Odell has missed a lot of time the last couple of years. I mean, we're not here talking injuries or predicting injuries. But I, my hunch is Landry's going to get his. The more You kind of talked me into him. Um, and I love Chubb. I think he's going to be a breakout player. But I can't wrap my head around when Kareem Hunt comes back that Chubb's just going to be the man. Right. That's, you know, it, that's the other sort of matzo ball handed out there. It's like, what mm-hmm. happens to this backfield room when Hunt comes back? Yeah. Because we know what he can do. And we've talked on this show about how we imagine Kitchens and Malkin using him, similar to how Randy Reed used him. Osmus as a, you know, slot receiver at times, using him out of sure. the backfield. And so he brings a component to that backfield, to that offense that Chubb might not bring. Right, and right. so he He'll might be the, be the more like every down type back once he comes back, which probably hurts Chubb's value. He might poach some goal line touchdowns and stuff, but in certain leagues, you probably want the better receiver. Yeah, like I know everyone's excited about the Browns offense, and I am too. But if you're thinking about it from fantasy and the pie, this offense really has to be one of the best in the league to support Landry Odell, Baker, Najoku, Chubb, and Hunt. All of them will be drafted pretty high. And it might be one it might of the be. best in the league, but you've got to play it smart and play the numbers and the probability here to it. And are you banking on this being such a great offense in year two of Baker? You know, maybe. And that might win you a league, but you also might want to view it from a more conservative lens and think about the number of targets that are going to go around and how they're going to use all these guys and the offensive line concerns as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back to finish up with the Bengals. To me, there's some gold to be mined with Cincinnati. We'll be back here in a minute. All right, we have returned. I love this coaching hire for, you know, keep Andy Dalton on life support and maybe put up numbers. To I think Mixon can almost yeah. do everything Gurley did in the MVP yeah. at Gurley. I mean, I think he's actually more talented than Gurley. Uh, the Rams did not have an A.J. Green, but I assume he'll be the Robert Woods slash number one. You really got to squint, but can John Ross be Cooks, at least in role? And I think Tyler Boyd catches a lot of passes as the Cooper Cup. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right, Matt. I think you sort of hit the nail on the head here. And the defense stinks. They're going to be in shootouts. The defense bad. Right. (laughs) They're going to be like throwing the ball over the place. They're going to be trying to play catch up in so many games. I think you sort of nailed the roles and how Zach Taylor is going to use these guys. And so for me... Tyler Boyd is the guy that I'm going to be targeting mm-hmm. in some drafts because I think you, you hit it out of the park there. John Ross and A.J. Green are getting get you some splash plays, but the guy that the offense might run through would be Tyler Boyd. And I think you're going to see him play that Cooper Cup role. We know about the relationship between Jared Goff and Cooper Cup. You know, not making sort of one-to-one comparisons here, but in terms of usage, you know, I think that's what you want to hand your hat on, opportunity. You know, you want to find the guys that are going to get the – you know, offense running through them that are going to get the targets that, you know, the quarterback is going to look for on third down situations that the offense will be designed sort of around. And Tyler Boyd looks to me to be that guy. I think Mixon 
is going to be that girly role. I think the talent is there as well. I think you want to get yourself some mix in, you know, as soon as you can in drafts, get a lot of shares as you of them as you can. And, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, playing a lot of catch up with how bad that defense is. I don't, I mean, for fantasy reasons and for my mixing stock in the world, I don't love that they drafted two running backs, but they were late picks and they were kind of value picks and Mixon's going to be the man. I mean, I don't have a lot of concerns there. And I do think he's girly in terms of every down usage, receiver, true bell cow. But let's talk Dalton a little bit. I don't know how much you and I have talked Dalton, but I'd like this hire for him basically for this reason. is My short analysis of Dalton is the longer the snap goes, the worse he gets. And if he has a quality scheme and head coach and a lot of play action and mixing the lean on and the coach in his ear until the headset exactly shuts off and knows where to go with the football and has some paint by numbers to him and gets him out, I think he can orchestrate a productive offense. Yeah. And let's sort of frame it from a different approach. Part of the discussion we're hearing right now about the Rams is might they be the team to cut bait from the rookie quarterback and just say, we can replace them because Mm -hmm. of our scheme. Might they move off from Jared Goff? Well, the reason that's even a potential move by them is because of the offensive scheme and how you create space. You do so much with personnel usage and space and concepts that you just make it that easy for the quarterback to execute early in his career. Well, I'm not going to put 30 million into the quarterback. Right. Right. You know, just, just, you know, pay him next to nothing and just get what you can out of him during the rookie deal. That goes to exactly what you were saying about Andy Dalton, which is spot on when he's got a defined read and throw dating back to his days at TCU and the run pass option stuff he was doing back then He's a good quarterback. When he has to get to read two or, heaven forbid, read three in the play, well, good luck with all that. Right. Like, we're going to see the wheels come off pretty quickly. And so if he's running an offense like we expect them to run that is going to define the reads for him, make it easy for him, get him some space and concepts and some wide-open throws, you could sort of extend the end of his career. An interesting thing that I'm kicking around in some dynasty leagues is Ryan Finley. You know, how quickly does he see the field? Because, you know, this was sort of a flip of the script. Most teams, they hire the rookie head coach after they've got the rookie quarterback, right? You want the offensive mind, the Matt Nagy sort of Sean McVay even, you know, method to the you know, approach to it. But this, they've done it differently. They have Dalton in place. They've written the new quarterback. He's working with a veteran, the new head coach, but he's working with a veteran. How quickly does Zach Taylor say, we drafted Ryan Finley for a reason, and I want to see him on the field. That's something I'm keeping in mind, especially in some dynasty leagues. I think you and I talked about this, but I also think ownership is cheap, and they yep. don't like paying people you know, a premium, and they can easily get out of Dalton's contract. Yep. That they might, you know, if they're fourth in the division and it's Thanksgiving, they might just say, why don't we sit Andy down Let's and see, see what we right. got? The, the, the guy that the coach picked that's smart, that's a distributor, that's a point guard, that isn't flashy. Maybe he plays the last four, five, six games. And maybe he's okay. I mean, who knows? You know, they might find something there. I don't think that's crazy talk. No, it's not crazy talk. If you're going to take a flyer on Andy Dalton this year, you got to be ready, you know, to pull Ryan Finley off, you know, the free agency wire. You know, you got to be ready for that. You might even want to sign him early, you know. 
because I mean in deep just, leagues. I mean, know, I'm not yeah. putting my fantasy fortunes on Ryan right, Finley's yeah. right arm, but you know, right. right. I hear what you're saying. But you might want to give yourself that potential out because I do think that Ryan Finley is going to see the field this year, and I think it's going to be because mm-hmm. of that scenario you just outlined, where we get to be, you know, we all love October. It's probably the best month of the year, but when October flips to November. Ryan Finley might be on the field for this team because, let's face it, we don't expect them to be a playoff team. No. You know, so they're playing for what do we have for 2020. And I mean, They may plan to move on from Dalton by then anyways, so yeah. you're right. And they need to figure out, are we in on a quarterback? Are we in on the Tua sweepstakes or the Herbert sweepstakes or the Jordan Love sweepstakes? I've been watching him, the Utah State kid. Mm-hmm. they got to figure we'll out what they're doing at the quarterback spot, so... They'll need to figure out what they have in Finley. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you're the man, folks. Next Wednesday, we will talk Cardinals, Packers, Tampa, and Denver in a very similar light. I thought this was fun. Um, The fantasy thing makes it a little bit fun, too. It's not something we usually go down, but it overlaps, obviously, with the real world and where the ball is going to go and how people are going to distribute things. Mark, thanks so much, brother. Always, my friend, always a blast. We could do this for hours, and I hope it shows to the gentle listeners, my friend. No doubt about it. Um, I got Sando tomorrow. I'll be recording late in the day again, last day of OTAs. And then I got a bonus prize special guest from outside the outside the Locked On Network that I think is a diamond in the rough that's coming up in this business I think you guys are going to like on Friday. So over and out.